Right, um, this evening, if you're with us for the first time, we are in our second week of a series called Reimagining Church. Um, and just to give you a bit of a heads up, you can go listen to that message online. Um, you just got our website, go to sermons, and you'll see it linked there. Um, but last week, we unpacked the fact that the church is not a building. So we looked at that. We had a look at the fact that we are the church, and there's the local gathering. What we're doing now tonight is we're the local church here at Connect, and we gather together where two or more gathered. There Jesus is amongst us in a different way. We're doing church. But then there's also the universal church, which we are all a part of as Christians, and God is doing amazing stuff through his church, but we are the church. So when we see something happening in our world and we go, wow, the church should really do something about that, the answer to that is yes, you really should. Right? You really, really should do something about it. The church should do something about that, and that's what we looked at last week. This week, we're going to be looking at something a little bit different, but I want to start off with a bit of a story about me first, um, so that you can relax and make you feel a little bit better. Um, I tend to get sidetracked sometimes. No. <laughs> I like using my hands to build things and make things, and I had a bunch of railway sleeper wood lying around at home, so I wanted to make a railway sleeper coffee table. It's still not finished, right? I started the project a year ago, but that's not the point. The point is this. In trying to build this table, I did a bit of research, and I found myself every now and then sitting down behind the computer, behind the laptop, to find out how to best cut railway sleeper wood, because if you know anything about it, duck hard, and you can't just cut it, all right, with a hacksaw or something like that. So you've got to be very clever about it, and then you've got to work with it in a specific way, and I wanted to build a specific type of table and all that sort of stuff. So I sat down to do some research. My ultimate goal and purpose was to make a coffee table, but I found myself sitting down, looking behind the lap, uh, looking at the laptop, clicking on this railway sleeper wood coffee table. Next thing I know, four hours later, I'm looking at huge mining machinery, all right, and the world's deepest mines and how we get gold from gold ore and diamonds and all this sort of stuff. And I've totally lost track of why I'm there. I've watched four hours of YouTube videos. Along the way, I've watched fail army videos about guys falling off the roof of houses and that sort of stuff. Um, and it just... It irritates me because I go, I go to do something and I end up getting sidetracked. And I know that none of you can relate to this because it doesn't happen to us, just me. I tell you that story, and I know it's a little bit ridiculous and it's about me, but it sort of is the same for the church sometimes. Right? We, we have this purpose and we can sometimes lose sight of our purpose and we can sometimes get sidetracked by a whole bunch of other things which we started in order to achieve a purpose but somewhere down the line we got sidetracked and we lost focus and lost the idea of what we were meant to be doing if we're not careful we can begin to accumulate a whole bunch of um, programs which may have been and probably are still legitimate and may have been legitimate when they started but over time what tends to happen like me behind the laptop while I'm trying to do some research for a specific purpose we can lose sight of why we started doing what we're doing. The people running the program, the people attending the program tend to get lost with regards to what the ultimate purpose of those things were meant to be about. We can forget our purpose, forget our mission, and drift off course, and not just spend four hours watching YouTube videos, but maybe years doing stuff um, that started off good to achieve a purpose, but we never really get there because we've lost sight of what we're meant to be doing. So what ends up happening is the church can become cluttered. We can become incredibly busy with programs. Everyone's busy, busy, busy. But what we're busy with doesn't really help achieve our ultimate purpose. There's this really good book. It's called Simple Church, written by Tom Rayner and George Giger. And uh, they say this, we are doing many good things, but we've forgotten the main thing. 
it's so important for us to answer and to keep coming back to the question, what is the church's mission? And then that's what we're going to be unpacking tonight in a nutshell. We're going to be unpacking what the church's mission is. But I wanted to start by asking you this question, and I don't want you to answer out loud. I just want you to think about it for a couple of seconds. If I had to ask you what is the purpose and mission of the church, what would you say? Just think about that for a second. If you had to answer that for somebody in the street, they had to come and say to you, what is the mission and purpose of the church? What would you say? I put up your hand if you said the mission or the purpose of the church is to evangelize the world. Okay, I said that. Put up your hand if you said it's to make disciples of all nations. Okay. Put up your hand if you said it's to build up and to edify the body of Christ, to build one another up. Do you know that only about 10% of people put up their hand for anything, all right? <laughs> so, I would totally agree, I would totally agree and wholeheartedly agree with you if we said that the mission of the church is to evangelize the world, to make disciples of all nations, and to build one another up and to edify the body, right? In a sense, that is the mission of the church. I love our church's mission statement, continuing the work of Jesus. But what about purpose? And that might sound a little bit crazy, but I'm not sure that the church's ultimate purpose as I go to Scripture is to evangelize the world and to make disciples and to edify and to build one another up. Right now, the clogs are ticking. You're like, what are you going on about? Right? Let me just give you this analogy quickly. If I wanted to bless Brad, and I'm going for Brad because I know him. If I wanted to bless him, there's a number of different ways I can do that. I can buy him some box tickets for a Proteas ODI, right? And he can go there. I could buy him... <laughs> I could buy him... I could buy him some biltong, right? I could do that. I could, um, I could organize for him to go on the Vitals hike, right? I could organize a bunch of different things for him that I know he likes, and it would ultimately bless him. Here's the point. What I do to bless him is neither here nor there. That is the means by which I achieve my goal. My ultimate goal and purpose is to bless him. And it's very similar to the church. What the church is meant to be doing, which is evangelizing the world, making disciples of all nations, and building one another up, essentially continuing the work of Jesus, helps us to achieve our ultimate goal. And that is this, to bring glory to God. That's our ultimate goal. That's the church's ultimate purpose. The church exists ultimately for the purpose of bringing glory to God. And that's not just true of us in this worship session and in this local gathering. It's true of us in every area of our lives. In our life as individuals, as part of the universal church of God, our goal, our one goal, it is the highest calling of man that is to worship and bring glory to our Creator. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says this, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In, where, in whatever Christians do, whether whether it's your careers, whether it's marriage, whether it's on a sports field, in any decision you make in life, the ultimate purpose and the ultimate goal is to bring glory to God. The church was created to bring pleasure to God. You are the church. Your ultimate purpose is to glorify Him. Isaiah 28, 6 says this, Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. That should be the desire of the church and us as 
Christians who love the Lord, our desire should be for the glory and the renown of our King. Ephesians 1.12 says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. If I just, if we think about that for a second, those of us who are Christians, those of us who've hoped in the Lord, those of us who have given our lives to God, who are part of God's local church and universal church, we are destined and appointed, God's word says, here's our purpose, to live for the praise of His glory. I found a really helpful way of thinking about it like this. Our ultimate goal is upward for the glory of God. We live for the glory of God. Our ultimate mission is inward and outward. Inward being the building up of the believers and the edifying of the saints and outward being evangelizing of the world and spreading the gospel and the good news. So the church exists for the upward glory of God. And we achieve that purpose through the building up of one another and evangelizing the world by sharing the gospel and bringing people into a place where they meet Jesus through our lives. Not just by the way we live, but by what we declare. A guy by the name of Trevin Wax defines it like this. The church is a sign and instrument of the kingdom of God. A people united by faith in the gospel announcements of the crucified and risen King Jesus. The mission of the church is to go into the world in the power of the Spirit and make disciples by proclaiming this gospel, calling people to respond in ongoing repentance and faith and demonstrating the truth and power of the gospel by living under the Lordship of Christ. And here comes our purpose, for the glory of God. That's our purpose. When I, when I was sharing this with my wife, she's really good at answering, asking me questions. Right? Um, and she was like, why force this paradigm? Why, why try and force it? Why don't we just say we've got three purposes? Upward purpose, inward purpose, outward purpose. Why go, there's a purpose, and the purpose alone is to glorify God, and why then refer to it as missions in order to achieve a purpose? And this was my answer. I think for us, we have, as humans, Christian or not, we have this nasty tendency of trying to make things about us. We tend to forget that we're not God. And so the things that we start out doing for a good purpose end up becoming sometimes about us if we don't keep ourselves in check and check our hearts. And so for me to think about my ultimate purpose as an individual and as a church, the ultimate purpose being to bring God glory, it means that when I come to church, I realize I'm not coming just for me. I'm coming to bring God glory. It puts God where he needs to be. When I preach, when I get to stand up here and have the honor of sharing God's word, this is not for my recognition. It reminds me that this is for the glory of God. When I share my testimony, I realize that it's not so that people can talk about how, you know, amazing it was that I recovered and how strong I was to be able to make it out of hospital and how good I was to make the decisions that I made. I realize, and I'm talking about after the chlorine bomb, um, I've been talking about my testimony afterwards, I'll explain it to you. But I realize I share my testimony for the glory of God, not so that people can look at me and go, God, he's done such a great job. I share the gospel. We evangelize for the glory of God, not so that people can go, wow, look how eloquent he is with the words of God, and look how much he knows. Look how God's using him. And then to feel puffed up and proud about myself. It's great when people see that, but it's for the glory of God. I use my gifts and my talents for the glory of God. It helps me to remember that this is about 
my king. This is not about me. It helps me to remember that everything we do, in whatever I do, it's for the glory of God. I just find that with this truth before me all the time, if I allow myself to just dwell on that and to remember that, my heart and my motives have a far better chance of remaining pure and true. I find that I'm better able to live a humble and submitted life. I find that putting that in front of me every day helps me to understand the heart of God in the things that I do. So I really believe that our purpose is singular and that is to bring glory to God. It's not multifaceted. We have one purpose, the glory of our King. But now what about the building up of the saints and evangelizing of the world? Jesus said we must do it. Surely we should be doing it, and I would say absolutely. And if you want to say that's part of the purpose of the church, that's fine. I would say it's just a semantics thing. Right? Absolutely we should be evangelizing the world and building the body up. But like I said in our analogy, when I used it in the beginning about blessing Brad, the ultimate purpose for me was to bless him. The ultimate purpose for us is to glorify God, and we do that through God's mandated ways to us as his church. And through that obedient commitment to our mission, we are able to achieve our purpose and do it well if we do our mission well. Thinking about the church this way, and thinking about the purpose of the church this way, not only is it biblical, but it's caused me to value and to really appreciate what we do as a church and why we do it. If our ultimate goal is the glory of God, then we can't stay stagnant and we can't remain seated. We must do something about the mission God has given us to do. God has blessed us enough to say, your job is to bless me and to glorify me and you'll be blessed in doing that. And let me tell you, this is the best way to do it. This is how I want you to glorify me. And as you do that, you'll be blessed. I don't know if you've ever tried to buy a present for somebody and your ultimate goal was to bless them and they've never appreciated the gift when you've given it to them. Has it ever happened to you? I did that once with Mandy. I was broken, but I hid it, right? I came with a really nice pair of shoes. She loves shoes and she opened it up and I could just see in her face. She's like, oh, thanks, right? Just crash and burn, right? So I pulled it together and she went and she exchanged them. Now I don't buy shoes by myself anymore for her. But here's the point. God just doesn't leave, he doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't go, hey, I really want you to glorify me. In fact, that's why you were created. And I'm just going to let you guess how to do that. God says to us as a church and as individuals, your ultimate purpose is to glorify me and to bless me. And here's how you do that. You build one another up by using the gifts that I've given you and you spread the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, which you've put your hope in. And you make people do the same thing that you were taught to do make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So I just want to spend a little bit of time talking about the building up and edifying of the body and evangelizing. I think it's something, like I've said, we've all called to do. Every single one of us is mandated to do that. When we read about and we hear about people in the mission field encountering groups of people, thousands of people, millions of people who haven't heard the gospel and we get the sense that the church should do something about it, we are the ones who are meant to be doing something about it. When we see something that the church needs to be plugging itself into, 
when we see people who are desperately needing Jesus, when we see a body that's broken and people who know Jesus needing to be encouraged and edified and built up, and we feel like the church should really do something about it, we need to be doing something about it. Because God has called every single one of us to take part in this. Not just those who are called to full-time ministry. Not the pastors, not the missionaries, not the deacons and the elders of the church, but every single one of us is mandated to do the mission that God has called us to do for the ultimate purpose, which is His glory. This first point is the church's purpose is to glorify God by edifying His people. I'm not going to spend too much time on this because John's going to be unpacking this in detail next week when we speak about what the church does when it comes together. But ultimately, the community of believers gather together for the glory of God. And it's not just some idle chit-chat get-together that we engage in. It's not just about sharing a meal together, whether it be breakfast, lunch, or supper. It is crucial one-on-one ministry to one another so that we can build ourselves up and glorify God. It's one of the missions God has given us. Here's what it says in Ephesians 4, 15 to 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped with each part working properly makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love two gentlemen tim chester and uh, steve Timms, they say this it is in the family of god that i'm able to care and be cared for where i'm able to love and be loved to forgive and to be forgiven to rebuke and to be rebuked to encourage and to be encouraged all of which is essential to the task of being a disciple of the risen Lord Jesus, which brings him glory. The question that I had was, so how does this task of building one another up bring God glory? And I thought about winter. Winter's my favorite season. Right? Really, I love it. Um, it's the one thing that I appreciate about not being in the Eastern Cape anymore. Right? We don't get humidity here. If it's hot outside, you can run inside and you can escape it. You can sleep at night in winter with a blanket, I mean summer with a blanket on. But winter's even better, right, because it's even colder. And I love being outside in the cold, crisp air. Um, Linda even swims in the morning in winter, so I know she loves it as well. But one of my favorite things to do is to take a walk, especially when it's like evening getting dark. And I know it might sound crazy, but one of my favorite things to do is put on a jacket, to put on some long pants, put on some shoes, not slops, all right, and, um, and to take a walk through the neighborhood, whether it be by myself or with my family. And some of my favorite moments, I know this might sound creepy, but some of my favorite moments are just walking past people's houses and just appreciating the light and the warmth that is inside a house. And when I look inside and I see a family hanging out together or I walk past and there's, you know, there's kids making a noise or they're eating dinner, it just really is a good thing to see because I appreciate family. <laughs> I'm not stalking people, all right? I'm not stalking people. Nick, I saw what you had for supper the other night. No. So, so I just, like, I really appreciate it because it helps me to appreciate how cold it is outside and how blessed I am to have a family and a home to go to, right? And how great it is to be able to have light and food and supper and joy and laughter and community in my home. I appreciate that. It helps me to remember that there are some people on the streets who don't have homes, who don't get to look forward to going home like I get to look forward to going home when I'm walking on the streets. 
Likewise, I've gone out for dinner with man. We've, we've gone for a walk. We've walked past restaurants, and it's been freezing cold. But you look in, and the smell of food is there. There's laughter. There's a great atmosphere. There's a great ambience. It's just a great setting to, to walk past, and something about that atmosphere draws you to it. It's exciting. Now, likewise with the church, if you think about this, we are in a dark, cold, broken world. How does building one another up and loving one another and edifying one another glorify God? Well, I think when people, passers-by who don't know Jesus, look in and see a community of believers and God-fearers and brothers and sisters from different nations, tribes and tongues, worshiping together, loving one another, building one another up, filled with joy, worshiping in the Spirit, it does something to their hearts for the glory of God. It does something. That's why what we do together is so significant as the body. Building one another up is so significant because it's not just about us, it's about the glory of God. And how we are as a family speaks loads to the world outside there where it is cold and dark. When they look in here, they should see joy and life and light and an atmosphere that they desire to be a part of. Here's what it says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, 23, 25. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak prophecy and, and an unbeliever or outsider enters... He is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. When we're doing what we're supposed to be doing together, when we come together as God's body, God is glorified because people cannot help but say God is amongst them. That's a wonderful thing to think about as our mission because it achieves the purpose of bringing glory to God. Now, the second point is this. The church's purpose is to glorify God by proclaiming the gospel to all people and making Christ-like disciples who in turn make Christ-like disciples. In Matthew, Jesus says this, Matthew, 8, Matthew 28, 18. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. In other words, a healthy church is not just a church that's insular and builds itself up, but a healthy church is an evangelizing church. A healthy church is a church that's going out into the world and preaching the gospel and letting people know about Jesus and making disciples of people who do the same thing. But how does evangelism glorify God? It might seem like an obvious one, but I want to unpack it anyway. The glory of God really is about making God look as good as he really is, as much as we possibly can. And nothing does that better than the gospel message. The gospel is the good news, and it's at the heart of glorifying God. Why? Because the gospel message reveals the heart of God to people. At the center of the gospel is King Jesus. And when you elevate him and you highlight him and you speak about what he's done, you do not get a better way of exposing the heart of God to people. That's why it's at the heart of evangelism, this message that we call the gospel. The gospel is the life-giving message of God, that he sent his son to pay the penalty for us, for our sins, so that we can have hope and a faith in him that releases us from the bondage of sin and death and eternal torment so that we can have eternal life with him. There is nothing greater than that to reveal the heart of God to people. 
that message exalts God's love and his grace and his patience and his kindness like no other message can. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God which is seen in the face of Jesus. That's where you see the glory of God, in the face of Jesus Christ. And that's how you make the glory of God known, by preaching Jesus Christ. And we can preach Jesus to each other all we want, all day long as we gather here together. And that would be great if we say yes and amen to my king. But I'm here because someone preached the gospel to me when I was not in the church. Most of us are here because someone was diligent enough to take on the mission of God for the ultimate purpose of glorifying God. And everything I do as a believer nowadays is as a result of someone being obedient to God. And everything I do nowadays as a believer brings glory to God. I hope as a result of somebody being obedient to that mission to bring the gospel. I don't know about you, but when I see somebody, and there are tons of them in my family, who I thought would never come to faith, when I see somebody who's irreparably broken, who I don't believe can be made whole, when I see death being brought to life, when I see God making the impossible possible, I don't know about you, but my, my heart marvels at the power and the glory and the wonder of God. It just happens. Luke 15, 10 says, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We are meant to be making the angels dance and rejoice and party in the throne room of God by taking on the mission of preaching the gospel to the world. Why? Because that brings glory to God. And it doesn't happen if we don't go. It doesn't happen if we just sit. It doesn't happen if we just focus inward. Our mandate is to glorify God by going in and out. If we don't go out and declare the gospel to all people, every single one of us, then the glory of God will not be achieved through our lives. And I don't want to be part of a generation that doesn't bring glory to God. What struck me over and over again as I was preparing this message, and let me finish saying what I'm going to say because some of you guys might get upset. I'm finished. In the scripture, the only message God has given us for the world is the gospel. The Bible has very little, if not nothing at all, to say about politics or substandard housing or civil rights or labor law. This doesn't mean that the Christian shouldn't be unconcerned about these things and that we shouldn't have an impact in politics sociology and how people relate to one another, understanding that. doesn't mean we shouldn't be concerned in secular realms. Obviously, having a heart for people means being concerned about these things. The attitude that goes, I just don't care about those things, is so sub-Christian, it's unbelievable. But the reason why I believe God says very little about those things in detail, in depth, if at all in his word, is because God understands the only message that's ever really going to bring any difference or change in those areas is the message of Jesus Christ and a different dynamic of living life and doing things. We can try and fix those things whichever way we possibly want to try and fix them. But if it's not the message of Jesus, we're going to end up back at square one shortly after we've just begun. Dale Hartman showed me an extract from a book she's reading. It's a, it's a book by Wayne Jacobson. Jacobson. Uh, it's called um, 
so you don't want to go to church. And when I read this, I was blown away. Right, but this is, this is what he says. You can go to this one. It says, speaking about the gospel, it says, one of the most powerful things about the gospel is that it liberates us from the concept that God dwells in any building. His, and I'll put in brackets, Jesus, followers thought it was great. No longer did they have to think of God as cloaked in the recesses of the temple available only to special people at selected times. I read that, and I was like, yes. In other words, the gospel is great news because it means for people that God has made himself available. He's made himself available for us to bring his name and to bring people into his presence and to introduce him to them and to have the areas that we're involved in transformed. And it means that when we leave this building, God doesn't stay here. He's with us. And we bring Jesus Christ and the word of Jesus and the truth of Scripture into the areas where God has given us a heart and holy discontent for. In other words, our God has made himself approachable. And he wants us to know him and he wants to be known. And he wants us to tell people about him. I think we can get so sidetracked sometimes with trying to fix something and change this thing and change that thing that we forget our priority and our mission. We might, I wasn't trying to deliberately be poetic, but this might sound a little bit poetic. These are just points. We might be able to sweep the world clean of militarism and materialism. We might be able to do that if we try without Jesus. We might be able to rid the world of dictatorship. We might be able to co the world with um, democracy and drape it with the flag of freedom. We might be able to do that around the world without Jesus if we try hard enough. We may even be able to eradicate poverty and inequality. But this is what I truly believe is we spend all of our energy and effort doing that. And if we're able to somehow achieve it, if we don't allow our hearts to be dealt with, and if we don't bring the gospel, which regenerates us from the inside out and makes whitewashed tombs living, breathing, God-glorifying beings, then we're going to start back at square one shortly after we've achieved our purposes. Because that's what the gospel came to eradicate, a broken and dead heart. Our good works are like filthy rags before the Lord. The gospel regenerates. The story of Jesus is beautiful. That's what impresses the Father, the Son. We need to allow the light and the glory of God to be seen through our God-given mandate and mission to build one another up and preach the word. And finally, I want to end with this. If we're going to be making disciples, we've got to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we're not going to be doing that, we're just wasting our time. We're like doctors who only see patients who are well. Jesus says, I've come for the sick, not for the healthy. Repentant sinners are meant to go and make disciples of other people who repent and believe in Jesus for the glory of his name. It's meant to be a process of multiplication, multiplication so that God is glorified from one generation to the next. Our faith has been handed down to us. We're meant to hand down our faith, but we're also meant to not just have people shift from one church to the next, but we're meant to be used by God to bring people from the darkness into light. And unless we're taking steps of faith, and unless you actually believe that that is your God-given mandate and are obedient to that, you are going to be used not as often as you should have been by God for the glory of his name and the winning of somebody's soul.
This is what Paul says to Peter, I mean to Timothy, sorry. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, it says, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. In that scripture, there are four generations of disciples. You've got Paul, who teaches Timothy. You've got Timothy, who's mandated to teach faithful men. And then you've got faithful men who are going to be doing the same to others. Our mission is to go out into the world and to make disciples of people who make disciples, who will make disciples for the glory of God. If we're not functioning like that, you're not fulfilling your mandate and your mission. We're not doing that as a church. Call it a purpose, call it a mission, it really doesn't matter as long as you're doing it for the glory of God because God has told you to do it. Here's what Paul says in Romans 1 verse 12. That is that I may be encouraged together with you while I'm among you. Each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul had the sense that he imparted something but that he was also going to receive something. We make disciples of one another. You bless me, I bless you, so that we can bless other people for the glory of God. Let me say this in conclusion. The church was founded by God for the purposes of God, for the glory of God. It's not our job to go and redefine the purpose and the mission of the church according to our own desires or somebody else's desires or our feelings. We're meant to be learning how to follow God and to get plugged in obediently to the desire of God, the mission of God for the purposes of God. And the three questions I want to leave us with tonight are this. How much of your life is about the glory of God? When we leave this building, how much of what you do at the forefront of your mind and at the center of what you do is about the glory of God? And it doesn't matter what you do. Have you committed that to God and is it for His glory? Have you taken the time to go, God, how can I glorify you? Because this is the highest calling of my life and of the church. How are you building up and edifying the body? I've been so challenged by Uncle John Abramson, meeting with him and a bunch of young men. And we've been challenged to make disciples and build other people up. And I've been really challenged with this question, how am I edifying the body and discipling other people well? Not just because I'm a pastor. Titles don't matter. It's my role and responsibility as a Christian, as a son. It's your role and responsibility as a Christian, as a son and daughter of the king, to be making disciples. Because that brings glory to God. That's what we're meant to be doing as the church, not just here on a Sunday. The last question is, how well are you fulfilling your mandate to evangelize the world? When last was someone challenged by you and what they believe about the world and their worldview because you opened your mouth to speak about the glory of Jesus and what he's done for you. And I promise you, I'm in the boat with you if you're going, that hasn't really happened that often with me, I must be honest. Over the past few years, I don't know that I've led that many people to Jesus. And I'm deeply, deeply challenged by that. And I feel in my life, I need to repent of not putting enough effort in. And not effort based on my own strength, but effort in, as in desire to have God use me in that way and to be used by the Spirit to bring the truth into the world. And I can honestly hide behind my position as a pastor and go, well, I'm not really exposed to that many unbelievers. It's your job to bring them in and I'll just preach. But God has deeply convicted me with this thing. I'm in checkers almost every day. I'm in so many different environments in my 
in my home space where there are unbelievers. I've got social media at my fingertips. I'm at my son and daughter's school. Now my daughter's at Noah's Ark, so that's great. But I'm at David's school where there are so many unsaved people and I'm there every day in the morning and every day in the afternoon. And how much of my life is speaking about the glory of God indirectly and directly? How much am I speaking about Jesus? I've been challenged by those things. Ultimately, the church exists to bring glory to the name of Jesus. And our mission is to build each other up and to go and to preach the gospel to the world. So the church is God's carrier of hope to the world. You are the church. And that's what we're meant to be doing. I'm going to pray for us. Father, I just want to thank you that your word is rich, that it is truth. And that tonight as we've sat under your word and as we've heard from you, God, I, I pray that we would respond to you appropriately. God, that where you've brought conviction, where you've brought challenge, God, where you've encouraged us and inspired us, where we're excited to take on the mission to fulfill our mandate to glorify you and our purpose to glorify you. God, won't you equip us through the Spirit to do that? I want to repent of where I've made this about me and where I've made excuses for not doing what you've called me to do. God, your glory is our desire. Your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. Or at least, God, I pray that you would make that the desire of our hearts. As we begin to worship, God, won't you draw out of your people praise? Help there to be an overflow of worship that's in spirit and in truth as we respond to you. I just want to say as we go into a time of worship, I want to challenge you and encourage you to bring the words that God has laid on your heart. If there's something that you can bring or that God lays on your heart to bring that will encourage us in this regard. Maybe it's a testimony of deliverance or a testimony of being edified and built up by someone in the body or a testimony of leading someone to faith or just stepping out and sharing a testimony at work. Let's bring that. Let's bring what God has put on our hearts so we can do one of those things well tonight. Let's edify and build each other up so we can go and do the other part of our mandate and our mission and that's to preach the gospel to the world when we go into our workspace and our place of influence. Let's do. So God, as we worship, be blessed and be honored. We love you, God. In Jesus' name.